Revelation chapter 5. And you look at this wonderful picture of Christ uh, coming forth to receive praise and honor. And I, I think it would be appropriate. Well, um, let's begin reading in verse 6. So this is Revelation chapter 5, um, verse 6, and we'll read verses 6 through 14. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The Lord is my portion. Amen. Please be seated. Um, well, we've, over these past many weeks, We've actually been working just little bit by little bit through the second paragraph of chapter 2 of the Confession. And I, I thought it was good to take, take things a little slow and really to reflect on all, all that that paragraph had to say to us about God's infinite perfections, about the fact that He is uh, in and of Himself sufficient, about His holiness that we discussed the last time that we were together. And so I think it's... It, it probably is somewhat logical for us then that the very last sentence of that paragraph says, to Him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatever worship, service, or obedience He is pleased to require of them. The Westminster Divines conclude this paragraph describing God's greatness with the only logical conclusion. Everything God has made owes Him worship, service, and obedience. Um, one, of, uh, one, of the, one of the preachers that has had a significant um, influence on my life is John Piper. And I remember um, back in the early days of my conversion, when I was still ministering in a little country Southern Baptist church, I, I remember hearing a sermon by him, in which he referenced Isaiah chapter 48, verses 9 to 11. And I want to read it to you now. You don't have to turn over there, but you might want to jot it down just to, to go back and reflect on it later. But Isaiah 48, 
verses 9 to 11. I want you to hear what the Lord says to to, uh, the church in these words. He says, For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. And I remember hearing him preach on this passage and just how overwhelming it was when I, when I realized that even our redemption is ultimately not for us. It is for the sake of His name. And John Piper, in preaching on this, he says, he said, it is possible, think about this, it is possible to take important things for granted. Like oxygen, you're probably not sitting there thinking, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. But nothing is, nothing is honored by taking it for granted. It is no tribute to the importance of anything in our hearts when we say, oh, we assume that. To be assumed may make a person feel indispensable, but it does not make a person feel treasured. God is a very important person and He does not like being taken for granted. You think about that. God loves His glory and He desires all of His creatures to exult in His glory. And so we read in places like Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 and Exodus 34, 14 that God is a jealous God, that He will not give His glory to another. He will not share it. He will not compromise it. He will not allow it to be tarnished. And so, one of the reasons that He he saved Israel is because He had put His name upon them. They were His reputation, and He would not allow His reputation to be despoiled amongst the nations. He saves you and me for the sake of His glory. We read in places like Psalm 23.3, He restores my soul. We sang this this morning. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? For His name's sake. Psalm 25.11, For Your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Psalm 31.3, For You are my rock and my fortress, And for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. Psalm 109, verse 21, But you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your name's sake. Because your steadfast love is good, deliver me. Deliverance, protection, forgiveness in the Psalms is all given to God's people. Why? For the sake of His glory. He doesn't want to be assumed. He wants us to look to Him and magnify His name for all that He is every day. He is not to be to you and me like the oxygen we breathe. Oh, I assume God. No, God doesn't want to be assumed. 
He wants to be on your dashboard, in your mind, in your ears, ringing in your songs day by day. And so that's where we end up tonight. We end up remembering that all creatures owe God worship, service, and obedience. And forgive me, I decided, I did a unique thing, I guess. I've totally changed my outline. But I want to begin, number one, that God is worthy of worship. A simple reminder. God is worthy of worship. This is the conclusion of this amazing paragraph. And as we've reflected on the fact that, think about this, that God stands above all things. And that in eternity past, for His own pleasure, He decided to create this universe. To display the the splendor of His beauty and to enable you and me to bask in His glory and to rejoice in Him. That's why He created you. So that you would rejoice in Him. Seeing that He stands above all, as we remember as well, that He doesn't stand in need of anything. We don't add anything to Him. As we come together on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we exalt our praises up to God, we don't add to Him. We simply acknowledge who He is. That He is perfect in all of His attributes. So as you think about it, as you think about it, and you should, there is no lack of reasons to marvel at God's being. And, and what, what I mean is, look, you, 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 could, you could look back on your life and say, man, I've had it hard. I haven't enjoyed my life. It's always been, it's been one hard thing after the other. How can, I don't have, I don't have that benefit maybe that, that you have. You, you look back and you see, ways that God provided for you and and you think about somebody who just has a dour disposition, I don't see anything good. Well, do you see Him? Um, Do you see His power? His infinite, unchanging love for you? Do you see His beauty? His wisdom? Worship Him for that. If He never did anything for you and me, He would be worthy of worship, service, and obedience simply by reflecting on who He is. And I think, I think this is one of the things for us when, when you have those days and it is, it's hard. It's, it's hard to get out of bed and you can't find your joy and you struggle. What does your mind go to? It, it, it's so easy, isn't it, to think about how hard it is and to get down in that. But God's call to you is to get up into Him. Remember me. Reflect on who I am. As we go back to Revelation chapter 5, I want you to notice something there. Um, There's the repetition of a word. Uh, Picking up actually in chapter 4 verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Verse 9 of chapter 5. Worthy 
are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. Verse 12, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. What the Scriptures are teaching us there is is not that the living creatures and the angels and the elders got together and voted and said, this guy's worthy. What they're acknowledging there is that he is worthy because of who, because of who he is. What messages convey to us? That Christ Jesus as the resurrected and ascended King of all the earth is worthy to receive total worship, service, and obedience from every creature on earth. Worthy means something that is deserving or that is right to give. Um, so in other places, remember that Paul would teach us that, um, that you shouldn't muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain because the laborer is worthy of his, of his wages, right? He has put in a full day's wages, and so he has earned something. And that's what the Scriptures are teaching you, that Christ has earned in His incarnation as the God-man seated at the right hand of the Father has earned our worship. And when the day comes, it will be right, it will be right for us to throw our crowns down before Him. And now it is His divine right to receive worship from us. Why? Well, secondly, I want you to notice that not only is God worthy to receive total worship, but I think one of the reasons is that He is creator of all that is. We've reflected on the fact that God is, God is independent. Um, he, he doesn't need anything from us. We don't add anything to Him. He is, as He revealed Himself to Moses, remember He is that, that flame that burns and doesn't require fuel to keep burning. His be- he is totally self-sufficient in His being. He is independent. But we are not. And we're reminded of, of this every day. We are dependent beings. All creation must say, I am but a vessel made by His hands for His purposes. And as we return to this scene in Revelation chapter 5, we discover another reason for our praise. And that reason is redemption. On the one hand, He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And He is the Root of David. In other words, uh, John here is describing Jesus as the one, as the king who fiercely conquers his enemies and defends his people. And because of that, he is worthy of worship. But on the other hand, in verse 12, he is the lamb who was slain. He is the lamb who sits upon the throne. In chapter 6, verse 1, He is the only one worthy to open the seals. And so it is right then for all creatures to worship Him for His redemptive work on the cross. We are dependent upon Him, especially for His redemptive work in our behalf. And then thirdly, 
Lastly, we remember, therefore, that God may require whatever He wills. I want you to turn over with me to Psalm chapter 100. We know this one. Um, This is a call to corporate worship as labeled as a psalm for giving thanks. But our conclusion as we look at this psalm is that God as Creator and Redeemer may require whatsoever worship, service, or obedience He pleases. He created us to declare His glory, not vice versa. And apart from living for His glory, we we pervert and destroy our very purpose for existence. And in Psalm 100, as you look at it, uh, um, as in all calls to worship, notice what's, what's happening there. God is commanding obedience. When when we have our calls to worship on Sunday morning and Sunday night, remember that what God is doing is is He is inviting, but it's better understood as a command. And here in Psalm 100, this command goes to all the earth. All the earth is being commanded to come in and worship the Lord. So let's just notice a couple of things that the Lord says to us here. Uh, Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. The first thing to notice, I think, is that God commands worship. We know that. Um, Worship is is not an addition. It's not something that man created. We could go back and we could look at the time after the fall when man began to call on the name of the Lord. And we could could think to ourselves, well, well, men came up with that. Or we could think of Asaph from this morning that maybe he invented musical instruments and they got together, he and David, at the tabernacle one day and wrote their greatest hits and they put them in the Psalms and said, man, this is good stuff. I bet God's going to be really pleased with us. But when they set it down, when they wrote it in the Scriptures, they said, listen, this is a command from God. All that we are doing as we get together and we clang our cymbals and we play on the lyre and we worship Him on the flute, All that we can say at the end of the day is we've done what He called us to do. It's our created purpose. Notice also that He commands joy. He commands joy. How can He do so? Lord, how can You command me to come into your house and to be joyful. You know how? He can command you to be joyful because He Himself is the source of that joy. You see, when you set your heart on Him and you give yourself to Him in reverent, obedient worship, He gives you joy. The true believer finds in God the source of His joy in Christ's light. All afflictions fade in comparison. Notice verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness and another command. Come into His presence with singing. God here commands the service of His people. He tells us how. 
he would be worshipped again. He, he tells us the mood that it's to be done with. If you would worship me rightly, you come with gladness together. You come with singing. Why do we sing to the Lord? Because He commands us to sing. Verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So on the one hand, we learn, why can God command us to do this? Who, who, who voted to make you the ruler? Who tells, who's given you the authority to do this? Well, we belong to Him. We belong to Him. We are not ourselves. We do not belong to ourselves. We belong to the Lord. We are His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. So on the other hand, we belong to Him and we are giving Him reverent worship. But, but on the other hand, we remember that He is feeding us by His own hand. Look, He is even feeding the wicked man. We talked about this many weeks ago. Uh, the wicked man, when he sits down at his table and he enjoys the food at his table... He is eating from the Lord's hand. But we are especially His, not just by creation, but by redemption. And so we remember that God Himself is the source of our joy for all eternity. And the joy that we derive from all other sources, think about this then. The joy that you you derive from, from all other sources when you gather with your family, you enjoy a, a July 4th or a Memorial Day barbecue as you're sitting around that barbecue and you're enjoying the hamburgers and the hot dogs and the fellowship. You're sitting on the swings around the fire pit or you're visiting with your family. All of that. Or you're looking at the pictures of a new baby that's been born into your family. Or you, ha you take pleasure in doing a job well done uh, on a good and a hard day and you earn your way and, and the joy that you get from that, all of those things, understand, all of those things are ways by which God communicates the joy that is in Him. He has created all of those things as ways for you to understand the pleasure that is in Him. And our greatest joy then comes when, when we gather in this room with all of Christ's saints and we lift our voices in reverent and obedient worship to Him. And so at the end of the day, there, there's never a moment where I can say, I can pat myself on the back and I can say, oh man, God must have been really pleased with my worship today. Because He commands it. And I'm never doing more than He commands. He reveals His goodness to us by making His worship. Now, by making His worship the supreme source of our happiness and contentment. And we must never forget that we, that we owe God worship. It is an act of obedience. To keep it from Him, therefore, is an act of grave sin. But we rejoice that when we fulfill this act of obedience, God responds to us, filling our hearts with pleasure, for at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, You can command whatsoever You will. Um, if it were your will 
to make us um, slaves in the desert, building pyramids all day long as an homage to you, we would have to do that. But Father, in Your infinite wisdom, what You've commanded is worship. That Your people come before You in obedience, serving You by singing. And we praise You, O Father, that You respond to our singing and our prayers by filling our hearts with joy, by renewing in us a zeal for Your glory. You respond by strengthening us to live obediently to You. Thank You for that. Lord, we ask for Your blessings on our week now as we go out from worship. We ask that You would strengthen us to be obedient servants um, so that Your light might shine through our lives to a dying world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.